Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome, welcome to Historically Badass Broads. Oh, that was so beautiful. Got to copyright that right quick. Right now. If anyone Hang gets on, any idea, yeah. you hear it first here. Not to mention the actual intro music that we took from YouTube seven mm. years ago. I don't understand. It was. We did some real research with that. Yep. And really wanted um, authentic medieval music. Absolutely. So we found royalty free, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> glorious music that both of our hearts alighted upon. And it's true. You know, the rest is history. History. Oh. Well, <laughs> we're a fun podcast. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're. I'm Maura, and that's Chloe. Chloe. Hi. And I'm sick, which is why I sound weird. Anyway, um, so I'm self-conscious about it. It's fine. Um, You're doing stunningly well. Thank you so much, friend. Um, Always. But we're a podcast that likes to talk about ladies from history. True. Ladies you should have heard about or heard anything accurate about. Mm. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. really the two categories. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and so... We're writing some wrongs here. We're attempting to, you know. Yes. We're doing our gosh darn best here. Is we're really doing our best, is. yes. And we find ourselves here. Um, happy Pride Month to everyone. Happy Pride Month. June. June. Um uncharacteristically ooh, today's gonna be good um i did not pick someone who's queer i was gonna ask i know i now i'm like i regret everything but i don't this is in reaction to a tv show that's come out recently my friend oh tell me more now i as a historian have a I difficult like time I watching where this is going. I, I know. Okay. I know you do. <laughs> I have I have a slightly difficult time watching historical shows because if they present them as if they are fact and then they're mm. so painfully not, um, mm-hmm. that makes me sad. But if they're like, this is a fairy tale that we vaguely based off of someone real, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um I noticed that at the beginning of the show, they did do a version of the, this isn't really based on truth. Um, mm-hmm. So I appreciated that. But I, I've been interested in this person for a while. I went on a glorious trip with my best friend, Molly, shout out. 
and wow. we went to Kew Gardens and Palace and we like frolicked for an entire mm. day. Gosh. And this woman's presence is unmistakable throughout the entirety of the gardens and the palace. So I've been interested in her for a while, but now there's been a lot of interest in her because of Queen Charlotte of Bridgerton's story. I and so today, <laughs> ladies and gents, but probably mostly ladies, and we like it that way, it's okay. Um, um, we're going to talk about Queen Charlotte. Woo! Oh, I'm excited. Charlotte of, of Mecklenburg Strelitz. Oh. That's where she was born. Strelitz. I, my German is bad. It mine is as well. Oh, cool. Okay, good. <laughs> so, oh, I'm excited. I did I binge the know. series. Okay, cool, 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 cool. What are your thoughts? Tell me. I loved it. Mm. I prefer it to Bridgerton. Mm. For for me, it had a lot more substance. Mm. It touched upon a lot more topics that were compelling for me. It was told in a beautiful way. I I'm a very big uh, mental health supporter. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> I don't know what the right word is there. I studied psych in school. I care a lot about mental health. I'm very interested in you know disorders and the history mm-hmm. of psychology, and that was a big big part of the show so i loved it oh and i texted mm-hmm. you and told you to watch it and did you and watch I, it for the first time <laughs> did listen to you and i did watch it <laughs> yeah <laughs> the whole thing it was good i did I'll, I'll, last night it's fine oh my god i'm in awe I can sit for a remarkable amount of time. I think it's what makes me a good historian. Yeah. Because I can just sit and read, and I'm I'm very happy. You and me both. Cool. Beautiful. So you, you liked it. It wasn't your favorite, but you liked it. I liked it. I liked it. Um, it was fun because it was almost like it was an alternative reality mm-hmm. of, like, what it might have been potentially been like mm-hmm. to see a like kind of more racially diverse upper class world. Yeah. Um it's always something that like we love I love a counterfactual. Like what if this happened and think of all the different things that could could have followed down the line. So it was kind of fun in that regard to see it kind of move forward. The other thing I was like I I don't want to say the word happy because that's not what I feel, but like they finally showed a beautiful woman married to a disgusting old man. Mm. And like, that was most women's reality. Like that was, it wasn't that you found a beautiful Duke and got to have like a glorious, like passionate love life. No, like you, you weren't married because you wanted to be. And, you know, I think it's really, like that was to me, I was like, I hate this for her, but also like you represent so many women in this story. So and for me, how, that was kind of important. She so successfully was pleasant to him. Yeah. I feel like a lot of depictions would have shown her being obvious in her disgust or, mm-hmm. you know, not being 
just avoiding him, et cetera, et cetera. But she was acting like she was in love for him. Mm -hmm. And it was like, yeah, this is just what I do. This is just yeah. how it is. I think that's interesting too. I mean, I think the emphasis of like romantic love is obviously much more modern. Like it's not that people didn't fall in love and weren't very affectionate. In fact, we're going to talk about a marriage that is a hallmark of a deeply loving relationship. But mm -hmm. I think it's important to remember too, that like what she says is like, you know, I think she said she was betrothed to him at the age of four. Right. At that time in history, it would have been a bit more unlikely for that young age of betrothing. Mm -hmm. um, that would have happened a lot earlier, generally speaking. There are exceptions to every kind of like trend. But um, mm -hmm. that she had been raised to expect a life with him for him is not a historical. Like that is something that would have happened to women. What's interesting though is like it you could have been engaged and disengaged like eight times before you were ten, you know, right, like depending yeah, on like the yeah. whims of of the political machinations of the time. And so totally. it's really curious though, and again, like I think that they found a little more truth in that relationship. But again, like you said, like it wasn't that there was this outright hatred of each other. Like, yes, that absolutely existed. Like people hated each other, like yeah, very yeah, aggressively. Yeah. yeah. But also like, yeah, they made it work. She made it work. It was because of her that she made it work, you know? Fully. And I think that's important to to think about as well. It's, it's good to see a relationship that, you know, she may have had a great love and had to give him up because she had been betrothed at the age of four, you know, like mm -hmm. that's more likely than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that you make it all work because you love each other. Like that's not, unfortunately, what happens most of the yeah. time for women and for men, but mostly for women too. So rare for me. Maybe this is more on an acting note or a storytelling note, but to see someone fully hiding their feelings. Mm, mm -hmm. not it's so much more any, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, like not in any way hinting at how she's unhappy when she's with him. I mean, it was like fully, completely, I'm here 100%. I'm believable in my respect and affection for you and then you know behind closed doors she can be like ugh, what a ugh, <laughs> you know yeah yeah i, I found and that I think super compelling i agree it was it was a much more compelling to me that i'm I, as an actor like i'm so much more interested in that you know like watching mm -hmm. someone go through that mm -hmm. um because i'm not just like oh i know exactly what's happening like you're you're curious she draws you in that way exactly um, but we are here today to focus on a different lady. The queen. And I find it really interesting how they chose to characterize her. And that's because of a, a couple of things, I think. And we'll talk about that. But, but first things first, mm -hmm. I'm going to take you back to the 19th of May, 1744. You with me? Excellent. Yes, here. We're in the Red. Duchy of Mecklenburg-Strelitz, which sure. happens to be in the Holy Roman Empire. She is the youngest, I think daughter, there might be a younger son, Ooh, I forget, mm -hmm. of Duke Charles Louis Frederick of Mecklenburg. He's the Prince of Miro, which mm -hmm. she was born in the palace of Miro, which is a nice little house. 
mm-hmm. little house. It's, it's a nice big palace. Um, and Princess Elizabeth Albertine of Saxe Hildburghausen. Oh, the German titles always get me. Um, but they were all born. So they had, they had, she had a bunch of siblings. Um, I think, hold on, let me check. I think she had eight kids, 10 kids. Okay. So she had, she had nine siblings. So <laughs> yeah. So Charlotte was born Sophia Charlotte, which is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is Sophia Charlotte of Mecklenburg Strelitz. And at the time of her birth, it's really important to know she was nobody. Like she was nice, kind of mobility, like upper nobility, but in a tiny, tiny little duchy in the Holy Roman Empire. It, it, she could have easily gone her whole life without England ever even knowing she existed, like right, fully. Right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's the youngest daughter like she's not even a the firstborn daughter you know mm-hmm. and they're not a very wealthy state um it, it just is that and so she's raised pretty well she's educated fairly well she um has a lot of really strong inclination for botany which is going to come in later um and most importantly, though, her mother taught her like the running of a household and their family was very religious. They're Lutheran, very, very religious. And she mm. is herself extremely religious. And so we see that being like the foundation of her life is that she is deeply instructed in religion and protocol. That's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so her father passes away in 1752. Her brother is Adolphus Frederick. He succeeds to the throne and she gets a little more freedom, but not really. Um, and so she's just passing her life. She's actually about to join a convent when the English come calling really unexpectedly. They're literally like, they kind of show this in the show later for the queen herself that she asks this for her children, but Mm -hmm. it actually happened for her, like how they found her, I guess for any, like, I think, um, the Dowager Princess of Wales, George III's mommy, asked for like a list of prospective like Protestant brides. Mm-hmm. And she was the literally like the last one on that that they all agreed on. Like she wasn't even on the initial list. She was on a list. And then they sent out like a courier, I think it was the Earl of Harker or something. Um because he kind of ended up like helping lead her back um mm-hmm. to England when she, spoiler alert, was chosen. Um he like kind of spied on her for a little bit, like just watched her. And there's a story about him watching her and he gets a bad feeling because he notices that she likes to play cards and gamble, but that when she loses, she's like a super sore loser. Um, And he's like, Ooh, like what's the deal with that? And so he keeps watching her and later notices as well that like the morning after she's gambling, she disappears. And he's like, what is this? What's happening? So he ends up stumbling upon her and finds her distributing her winnings to the poor. So it was acceptable for her to be mad about losing because she wasn't able to donate it then. That's so sweet. Yeah. So by all accounts, she was a really good person. Um, You know, she had no interest in politics, zero. She had Hmm. no interest in like being intrigued into any political anything or Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and 
that was like kind of the number one thing George was looking for. He didn't want a wife who would meddle in politics because he, yeah, Yeah. he came from deeply meddlesome people. Mm. (laughs) And I think he was king at a fairly young age. You know, his father predeceased him. So his grandfather was king before him, George II. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he died kind of unexpectedly. He was 77. And George succeeded in 1760. At the age of 22, he's unmarried and everyone's like, no, 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 like you need to be married. And he had been waiting until his grandfather died to get married. I think he just didn't want the influence. And so that's when they get that list. And because she wasn't really part of anything important, you weren't risking any like treaties by marrying Mm -hmm. her. Like you weren't angering Spain or France or whatever the heck. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and like the most important thing basically was that she was, a good Lutheran who came from a family that had 10 kids who mm-hmm. was pretty enough and, you know, fine, great. And young, she was 17. Right. She was a baby. Yeah. That's so young. Just a baby. Oh my goodness. Um. So later the King was like, yeah, she sounds good. So he says, yep, I'm going to marry Sophia Charlotte of mecklenburg strelitz and um everyone's like i guess okay you're the king so she's departing for england around like july of 1761 and they had a marriage by it's debated whether or not they had a marriage by proxy or the marriage contract was signed i think it's more likely the latter a book i read about this said that there were a couple things that would have happened more kind of acutely, not least of which the fact that marriage by proxy requires a lot of pomp and circumstance and her family was not wealthy. So they wouldn't have wanted to spend all that money. And in fact, when she, it was known that she was going to be married to the King of England, which again, like the most unlikely thing, he commissioned a full wardrobe for her because she didn't necessarily have the money for that. Um, so that's important to know as well. So it, it, the marriage by proxy probably didn't happen because it would have required a lot of expense on her family's part. But there were some public celebrations. It was good, but it was most likely funded by the king because at that point, his um, people were there, like the Earl of Harcourt. And so they set out for England. They had the worst crossing, like the worst crossing. Um, like they almost so they, drowned? left on the 22nd of August and they finally landed on the 7th of September. It is not that long of crossing. (laughs) It was just the weather. It was just the weather. Mm. But apparently like everyone was like really sick and she was just like there like embroidering. Like queen. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Just like getting ready. Like, like whatever, it's fine. Um, And so immediately after they land on the 7th of September, they set out for London. She stays the night at a local man. They had to like move the location. She was supposed to land at like London, but they had to move it to Harwich because of the weather. And they're like, just get on England's English soil, like just mm-hmm. for your sake. Mm-hmm. And then um, the next day she gets to St. James's palace. They're meet, they're met by the King and, you know, at the front of the palace and by like six hours of her arrival. So, around 9 p.m., they got married. Wow. So six hours after she got to 
the palace and met him. After they got married. Bumpy, lengthy ride. A very fun. And also, it's not just like that was gross and bumpy. You then had to get in the carriage, which was gross and bumpy. So, really <laughs> interestingly, really though, I think <laughs> it's funny. Like, in, married. <laughs> oh yeah, immediately. Like, good luck. Um, I think it's interesting that the move, uh, the the TV show brought up the clothing issue. Like that she was required to wear a dress and then she wanted to wear something else that was like really fancy. Mm, and you yeah. have her like laying down saying, oh, I can't touch the sapphires or the lace. Like her family could not have afforded that. They didn't have that level of wealth. So she wouldn't have come with anything. Um, but she right. would have expected to have been bestowed gifts by the king once she was there. And she could have added them to an outfit. But it wasn't like she came dressed in a beautiful like antique lace with sapphires on her bodice wedding gown that i'd like to yeah no (laughs) she had yeah no she no just symbolic i know the inspection of her body and her mouth was done before she left they wouldn't have done that when she got there like she would have had her like they when they were like spying on her and then like meeting her officially after the whole like gambling thing Mm-hmm. Um, they would have reported on the condition of her teeth and health and everything. So that would that would have been way before she landed. That wouldn't have happened there. Yeah, because once she was there, it was like before you. Before yeah, you they're like, oh, it, yeah, it, it's too late. And I'm like, yeah, because this wouldn't have happened. Um, so, um, <laughs> she wasn't really allowed to bring a lot of German people with her. She was allowed to bring two ladies and her hairdresser. <laughs> Oh. And that's it. And she had to fight for her hairdresser to come. But I want to emphasize the reason for that. So yeah, why? George III is the first Hanoverian king of England to be born on English soil. Okay. He is the first king of England in three kings who spoke English as a first language. Hmm. He was very acutely aware of making himself English beyond anything else, not German. Got it. So her, they're, you know, marrying a German, eh. but marrying other English, he, he was like kind of in love with an English lady, but his mom was like, no, you can't marry her. Like that's unacceptable. Hmm. Um, it's better to marry someone who's, like a distant royalty than like just a lady within your own court. Cause that's kind of still seen as marrying a commoner. Like they're not Royal. So and she could have been an aristocrat. No political benefit. Right. I mean, there's a symbolic union between Germany and England in this marriage. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Okay. Yes, but no. I mean, there is a tie. Like I think in the show, they're like, who's going to mess with us now kind of thing. And I think that is true. Like your sister's married to the King of England. She is the queen. They're not going to mess with you that much. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting, I mean, the German principalities and like Dougal states were always warring against each other. She actually grew up in the midst of that. And so mm. it, it, it kind of encroaching on each other's territory and, and all of that. So I think it's, it would have been a definite sign of like, don't mess with Texas, you know? Right. right. Like, but I don't think it was an official, like we are now allies. Cause that, that's a big step for England to want to commit to sending troops on their behalf, you know? Right. Yeah. But also, oh. so yeah, so yeah, so she gets there and the dress was made for her in England 
But because of how quickly everyone thing was moving, they took her measurements wrong. And so it was huge. Oh, no. <laughs> so it kept falling off of her. And it was really heavy because it had all of, like the good, you know, jewels and heavy mm-hmm. fabrics and beautiful brocades and like her cloak. And so it was kind of falling off of her. Um, I think one of the courtiers made a joke about like they saw as much of her as the king would that night. <laughs> so oh, no. Like, I don't no. think it was that bad because you wear undergarments. Bridgerton's really bad about reminding us about undergarments, I will say. Okay. Um, and that you wear them underneath corsets, not on top. You do both most of the time. Um, so, yeah. But, so, yeah. So she shows up. Wedding dress is not fitting well. But by all accounts, they're kind of instantly smitten. And they consummate that marriage right away. There's no drama and there's no hint of the king's future illness. That's really important as well. The first mm. record, and we have actually excellent records about George III. Oh, we love The first, that. I know. The first record we have of him being potentially ill is in 1765. So that's four years later. Got it. So there's no hinting of that. So they, they meet and within the first year of marriage, she's giving birth to George, the Prince of Wales. So they kind of got that right. Mm-hmm. Um, also good to note, Charlotte didn't speak any English. She started trying to learn English when she knew she was going to marry the King of England. But again, because there was like literally no reason for her to have wanted to know English, she was going to maybe join a convent and speak German mm-hmm. with her ladies. She speaks yeah. French because that's the court you know, kind of universal court language, but she doesn't speak English. So she will always have a very strong German accent. That will always separate her. Sorry? Does he speak French? Yes, and German and English. Okay, great, great, great. They're able to... Yeah, his parents... Yeah, they're able to communicate very well. And he was actually very encouraging of her learning to speak English, and he tried to help her a lot. It was really cute. Okay, we love. Yeah. So... Immediately, they're happy. Like, they're getting to know each other well. Um, And they kind of move to Buckingham House, which is now Buckingham Palace. Mm -hmm. Um, So St. James's Palace was the official residence of the royal couple, but Buckingham House was kind of nice. It was at the end of St. James's Park. It was a little more chill. And so they moved there, and it became known as the Queen's House later. So, in fact, like, she was granted her dower rights, which included, like, Somerset House and a couple other places. But later they ended up switching Somerset House for Buckingham House. So that's how much she loved it. Mm. And she did not have a great relationship with the Princess Augusta, her mother-in-law. That is true. Mm. Um, The princess had her own very specific kind of things she, you know, she had basically been helping rule, not as a regent because her son was old enough, but the major influence in his life for a long time. And it is true she did appoint people to kind of spy on Charlotte, but that's not like a specific to their relationship. That would have just happened to anyone in general because that's how you get to know people. <laughs> you just have to spy on them <laughs> um, okay. and get people to report back. So you know, I... she's trying to meet new people, and Princess Augusta's like kind of preventing that from happening, kind of keeping her isolated, which I think is really interesting, but not uncommon. Is, and there's going to be a power grab. I think it's, um, 
It prevents her from forming her own faction and becoming like a powerful player in court. If she's not allowed to meet new people and form friendships, like in a meaningful way, then she's not any threat to the power that the princess, Dowager Princess of Wales has, you know, been able to kind of form for herself. Right. Yeah. So they end up having so many kids. So the first 20 years of her married life are spent having 15 kids. 15. I'm going to, I'm going to just read off the dates for you. 15. Yeah. 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 So George, (sighs) it hurts. It physically pains me. Her first child is born in 1762. That's George. Her last Mm -hmm. child, princess Amelia is born in 1783. 20, 20-ish years. 21, 21 years. Yeah. So there's George, there's Frederick, there's William, there's Charlotte, the Princess Royal, there's Edward, the Duke of Kent, there's Princess Augusta Sophia, Princess Elizabeth, Ernest Augustus, Augustus Frederick, Adolphus, Mary, Sophia, Octavius, Alfred, and Amelia. <sighs> okay. It's a lot of children. It's a lot of children. It's a lot. So she's not doing much except having a ton of kids. Yeah. (laughs) Which is probably what they wanted. Yes. So in around 1765, the king had his first kind of potential scare. And um, what happened? They didn't, it was, it was a brief moment of, of the kind of signs of mental illness that were to come for him. Um, but it, it didn't last very long and he came out of it without Charlotte knowing. Okay. They didn't really let Charlotte know about it, but it didn't last long enough for she even would have been suspicious. They were mm-hmm. trying to pass a Regency bill of 1765. Mm-hmm. Um, the Regency bill that some people wanted, not. Lord Butte was actually very much a ally of the Princess Augusta. So I love how in the series they're like adversaries, but no, they're like allies. Mm-hmm. So they didn't let, they were the ones who kind of schemed to make sure Charlotte didn't know, but she didn't know how close she came to be the regent of England because her son was obviously still in his minority. He was only three. Um, so it would have been that if the king is permanently unable to rule, Charlotte would be regent. But that didn't really happen. It was temporary. And the Regency Bill never ended up being passed because of that. So it was okay. Okay. So, yeah. So in the meantime, what is she doing? She loves music. Mm -hmm. We love that. And she loves botany. Like I said, so she's like really loving the idea that like all these men are coming back from like exploring things. So like James, you know, Captain Cook. and like it's coming back and she makes sure that they're bringing all these species of plants from all of their travels. And she's like making sure that they like grow and um, the collection that she has becomes a huge part of Kew Gardens. And in fact, the, the bird of paradise Mm -hmm. is actually named in her honor. So it's the the Strelitia Regini. So it's the, the queen of like the Strelitz queen, which is an ode to her. Yeah. 
What's really cool is Johann Christian Bach, who is the son of Johann Sebastian Bach, the great Bach, mm-hmm. um, is her music master. So she has a massive like love for that. And then little eight-year-old Mozart, which I think we see like an ode, to, like a kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. homage to him. He comes yeah. in 1764 and he's there for like a full year, a um, little over a year. And he he's there in England. He's not there like for the, the royals, but he is summoned mm-hmm. and he plays for like four hours and he they put Bach, who's the music master, puts like really hard works in front of them, in front of Mozart to play like things by Handel, by his father Bach and by Abel. And he's playing them all really well. And this is my favorite bit. He accompanies the queen in an aria, which she sang. Oh, and I love that. That's so cool. And so later they were invited to court to celebrate the, the king's accession. And as a memento of that, Mozart's author published six sonatas that were composed by Mozart, which is the Opus 3. And they're dedicated to the Queen. That's beautiful. Yeah, so she's fostering this really beautiful court. It's, you know, she's wearing beautiful clothes and jewelry, which seems to be, jewelry seems to be a a weakness of hers. Not that she seeks it out, but like she's given it a lot and like fully is obsessed and wears it all the time. And like all images you see of her with these like diamond encrusted stomachers and like these beautiful, you know. I mean, if you're the Queen of England, yeah, I do and it. Then, and then it's it's honoring the person who gave it to you by wearing it. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Why not? That's, that's nice. <laughs> and as we love to do here, we're debunking a myth. Ooh, lay Prince, it on me. Prince Albert was not the first to introduce a Christmas tree to Britain. Queen Charlotte was. Oh, that's some knowledge right there. Christmas it tree. Is. I love that. I know. Thanks, Queen Charlotte. She set up, a, it was a single U branch, but that was the tradition. And she covered it in fun things. And everyone was like so enchanted by it that like everyone freaked out. I was like, we got to have one of these for ourselves, you know? Is that before or after it was a global thing? It's how it became a global thing. Wow. Queen Charlotte, The Birth of Christmas. The Birth of Christmas. That's be, that should be a movie. That's a great title. I, I'm available for hire. Okay. <laughs> she also worked very intensely with a landscape designer who has my favorite name, Capability Brown. Incredible name. His real name is Lancelot, which makes me love him so much more. But he's known as Capability Brown. And it's because every time he would like talk to his clients, he'd say that their land has capability for improvement. So he's Capability Brown. To the point where like that's literally how he's known. And he has the funniest portrait of all time. I'm obsessed with him. But like so many of the gardens that we like think of as being these absolutely beautiful places like the ones in Blenheim, Highclere Castle, Warwick Castle... And Kew Gardens, he did, like, Harewood House. I mean, you name it. He even did, like, part of Hampton Court. Like, he did everything. You name it, he did it. I'm obsessed. Capability Brown. And so she was a big supporter of him. And 
he obviously worked with her pretty intensely and she loved having like artists kind of around her. She was very kind of artistic and inspired by that. And so she had a lot of that kind of going around her. Um, She loved the Worcester porcelain factory, which is the Royal Worcester. And so some of the patterns that were founded were named in her honor. Hmm. She used a lot of her money to found, and she was very passionate about her philanthropy. So she helped found what is today the Queens, Charlotte's and Chelsea hospital, Mm -hmm. which my sister has been to shout out. Um, (laughs) Yay. Um, But it's a nice hospital and it's a good time. And yeah. So she was very interested in that. Another thing that she kind of establishes something that's known as Queen Charlotte's Ball, which is actually an annual debutante ball that pretty much still takes place to this day, which Whoa. is insane. Yeah. But she set that up so that it could pay for the hospital. So it's still, I think to this day is like you, a, a, charity a, a seat at one of their tables for this debutante ball is like 2,500 pounds and yeah. like goes to benefit charity mostly. So Oh, There's that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of like the idea that they have Charlotte being this like great arbiter of the debutante season in Bridgerton mm-hmm. because she kind of, she didn't start the trend, but she started the one that's still remaining. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah. she's very busy. She has <laughs> yeah. 15 kids she's giving birth to for 21 years. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. What a sentence. <laughs> I, it's just a lot. It's and so it's a lot. So her last child, Princess Amelia, is born, like we said, in 1783. Mm-hmm. And a couple years later, her husband starts showing signs of serious mental illness. And it starts kind of slowly, but it gets really intense pretty quickly. Um, she, there's a lot of, maneuvering about who has the king because that kind of dictates who's in charge of his care Mm -hmm. and it it seems to be a responsibility that's kind of shared by a bunch of people um and she didn't despise any of necessarily any of the king's doctors because for all they knew that's how you treated people so i do really think it's important that we you know the depiction of how they treated mental health is Mm -hmm fairly accurate like they would do pretty horrific things i don't really understand the thought process behind why torturing someone would help make them more sane um yeah but hey i wasn't a white dude in the late 18th century so clearly i'm i'm too stupid to understand that hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the, so, the idea mm-hmm. being... To get the madness out of him. That that was at the time the thought process you mean? I believe that's the prevailing thought process. Yeah. Scare it out of you. To beat it out of you. Yeah. Honestly, although I highly disagree with that method, I do understand the the thought process of we don't know. Let's try this. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. I wouldn't have still burned people and no, I, I also think that it you figure it out pretty quickly that it's not helping. You would assume. <laughs> but yeah. Um so, is mm-hmm. George's illness something that might fit into some type of name today, or is that something we don't want to do? It's something I do hesitate to do, but there's been Could a we lot get- of a description of some of the symptoms then without yes okay he would talk to himself sometimes he talked so much he foamed at the mouth Mm -hmm. um he didn't really seem to know where he was a lot of the time or that he couldn't he couldn't really recognize people Mm -hmm. he would get violent um he was constantly scared that charlotte was either being kept away from him or she was staying away from him on purpose or when he was with her like he started doing something which is really horrific where he would and this is a couple who like deeply loved each other like this is a love match i'm going to emphasize that yeah yeah and they had 20 something years of being very happily married Hmm. like very happily married to the point where they had 15 children 15 (laughs) one five number the number is not lost (laughs) it's something i will never get over 15 um he kept saying he was in love with a different woman and that he hated Charlotte and he wanted to be Mm. with this other woman. He was in love. He wrote all these love letters to her, but he wasn't well, like, yeah. Yeah. For the first time in like many monarchs, he didn't have any mistresses. He didn't have a single illegitimate child, no mistress, nothing. That has to be wildly rare. It was. And it was a part of him to distance him, like part of his, need and desire to distance himself from his grandfather and his great grandfather but mm-hmm. more importantly i think he was just they were very happy yeah and but she was also very like children are raised with a very strict religious background she mm-hmm. encouraged the botany part like everyone to kind of be educated she wanted her daughters to be better educated than she was mm-hmm. um you know she did insist upon pretty like simple food like that's something that Hmm. the prince regent ends up like rebelling against really intensely he's like i want fancy things i'm the prince anyway um that's my impression of the prince of wales slash the prince regent same dude prince george (laughs) um that's really interesting yeah he's like mommy doesn't let me have famous things like fancy things i want fancy things well it's interesting to me that she prefers simple food yeah simplicity um and the king and queen slept in the same bed 
for 20 something years. No one did that. Right. That was seen as like bordering on like middle class and like distasteful. Oh, they just loved each other that much. They really loved each other. <laughs> but when the king started getting ill, yeah, she didn't want to be alone with him because he kind of, he wasn't violent, but he was unpredictable yeah. and he would lash out physically. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think it was that it was a violent lashing out, but it was physically lashing out. And so she wouldn't be left alone with him. Yeah. She had to be given her own bedroom for the first time in her like married life. Um, mm-hmm. She was eventually he was moved to Q and she, they didn't want her to be moved with him and mm-hmm. all of her daughters as well. But she's like, no, nah, I'm going. Right. So they ended up living at Q, but they weren't like with him. They, I've been to Q. It's actually, it's a really interesting house. It feels more like a very, 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 it's a very, very, very nice house, but it doesn't feel like a palace, like mm-hmm. at all. And it's set in the most beautiful place imaginable, which is these, you know, cultivated gardens and, and, and all of that. So the floors above the king were locked. So no one could walk there and it could disturb him. So some of the modern diagnoses people want to put on him is um, porphyria. And it, I mean, you know, it's difficult to see. Porphyria is, it has abdominal pain, chest pain, vomiting, confusion, a fever. It can cause paralysis. It can cause the skin to blister. He was actually initially struck with stomach pain. Hmm. Pretty intensely. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's genetic, I believe. And you're kind of like, there's a bunch of different symptoms. Some of that is um, like, they they diagnose him with mania, which is really the only thing they can diagnose. Um, Just kind of like a blanket. Yeah, the first suggestion that he had porphyria was in 1966. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they wrote it like people agreed that there was porphyria, and that's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. And a lot of psychiatrists um, are suggesting a bipolar disorder as being Mm -hmm. more likely. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of people have based it off of. Um. The fact that it's hereditary and that no one else in his, you know, potentially his great-great-granddaughter had it, potentially his great-great-great-grandson. Like, it, it, you know, it's said that maybe Mary Queen of Scots had it, but this is all very... I mean, they're saying King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had it. Like, we just don't. You know, we can't see yeah. that. No, we can't. I, it also, in my very amateur understanding of disorders, does not sound like bipolar to me. <laughs> it, it, it's meant to be part of like the bipolar mania. So it's in the bipolar range of disorders. Okay. Not that it is what we would think of as like being a pretty, not standard case, because every case is different, but like of okay. bipolar disorder as we know it, we know it, yeah. it's more of like a bipolar disorder. Okay. But I want to hesitate, I want to caution yeah, us against yeah. diagnosing. I, I, 
I know we typically don't. So I, I have yeah, to... it's and it's only because a lot of these statements are coming after the fact. Right. No, none of us were able to talk to him or observe him. In or observe way. him and yeah, totally. his own doctors diagnosed him with what they called acute mania. So, you know, we're going to have to kind of go with that. 1788, the Queen and the Prince of Wales, her eldest son, they're starting to have some issues with each other. Mm-hmm. She's thinking he wants to be his own man and wants to become regent and have his father declared permanently insane so he could be king, basically. And she thought that the king had his doctors, the, the sorry, the prince regent was using the king's doctors for his own means to take over the regency. Mm. The Prince of Wales followers thought that they wanted the queen to do the same thing so that she would be appointed regent and mm-hmm. that he would be declared insane. Right. And with all of that, Dr. Warren, who was one of the main ones in charge of his care, said that he was kind of pressed by the queen to declare the king sane. So I don't, Mm -hmm. she wasn't, she never expressed any interest in political life, political rule, nothing. In fact, I think she saw it as being like distasteful, you know, like she was very like, I'm above this. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she was not a fan of that Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And so what's I think really difficult is around this exact time, her daughters are becoming of marriageable age. And it's the exact same time that their fathers become really ill and her mother draws them, their mother draws them really close to her. And anything is seen as being mm. a potential to disrupt the king's mental health, including mm. like trying to seek marriages for his daughters. So right. they have six daughters and they are not seeking marriages for them, right. which is very unlikely and very distressing for the girls. Two of the daughters end up falling in love with the equerries in their home because they're there. And also they just like are sympathetic figures who they're around all the time and they love. Um, One of the daughters, Princess Elizabeth, she actually headlines and starts painting these absolutely beautiful um, wall paintings in, uh, in one of the little thatched cottages in Kew and it's beautiful. I really recommend seeing it. It's in this like gorgeous deer park. It looks like a fairy tale. It's magic. Mm-hmm. And you can see that she had painted that. And the queen had one of her favorite female artists actually go and paint some things for them as well in queue. So they were trying to make it a home. Mm-hmm. But her daughters are old enough, much older in some cases, you know, older than she was. And when she got married and there's, that becomes a bit of a stress. And so the daughters are writing to the their oldest brother saying like, we need to get married. What is this? Like, why aren't we allowed to live our lives? But also we like want to help our mom. We don't want to upset our dad. And so what's interesting is in the Queen Charlotte story, she's seen as like the one who's trying to get everyone married. But in reality, she was really like, when her daughters expressed interest in getting married, she's like, how could you do this to me and your father? Wow. Like we we need you right now. Wow. Yeah. It's so also though, because like she must understand why they feel that way, and mm-hmm. that there's a time pressure on that sort of thing. Yep. So, yikes! I know. Okay. Fascinating. I know. And but they seem to be a couple that doesn't really follow every rule that has you know. No, them. but the not marrying of her daughters is weird. 
Absolutely. But if sleeping uh, yeah. together is weird and not having mistresses is weird, you know, I mean, they seem to be yeah. doing things that people now might do, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's a line of thinking that could happen today, you know? Don't leave the house. Don't go, you know, we're, we're dealing with something right now, you know? It's, that's a yeah. very not court-oriented mindset. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing. Um, Doesn't sound like it's a good thing. No, it's hard because there's six daughters. Six. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're all just kind of like there. And the sons are off correctly as the show depicts gallivanting with married women and actresses and not legit women. I mean, the prince is, he gets married to a woman he, they both despise each other. Princess mm-hmm. Carolina Brunswick, they hate each other with a burning passion. They have one daughter. That's that's the Princess Charlotte that we mm-hmm. saw, the Princess of Wales. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's it. So the Regency Bill of 1789 was passed. The Prince of Wales was declared the regent. And that thus begins the Regency period that we know and love. Mm-hmm. Um but they kind of reached a good thing because it placed the court of the king, any of their children who were under the legal age, and the king himself under the guardianship of the queen. So he was the government and she was kind of personal. Mm-hmm. And she refused to let the Prince of Wales see the king. She, you know, he's saying that you sided with my enemies. She says you're an enemy of the king himself. There was, the king was declared sane again at the end of 1789, Mm -hmm. but so they had like a concert to celebrate and she wouldn't invite him. (laughs) So yeah, some people are really depicting her as this like horribly unnatural mother and that she sides with the prime minister above all else. Mm -hmm. Some of them are saying like, oh, how dare you attack the queen? She is perfect. Um. And then around 1791, Queen Charlotte and the prince are like, you know what? She's like, I I don't want to fight anymore. Let's join together. It's difficult right now. And the king is becoming permanently insane. Like, Aww. permanently. Yeah. Around 1792, it, it's pretty clear that like, there's no reconciliation happening for him. Um, but she becomes a really difficult person. I mean, I would be too. So she's not really in public as much. She's, you know, depressed. She really focuses on like her botany and like planning of gardens and everything. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just really interesting. So, and that's where she's kind of refusing to let her daughters marry. And because of that, none of her kids had any issue. Like they had no kids. Mm-hmm. because they were so old when they were allowed to get married that like one of them princess charlotte she had a stillborn daughter and the princess sophia might scandalously have had an illegitimate child mm-hmm. but that's debated and so it's just yeah i think it's really tricky um interestingly around a similar time Queen Charlotte and Queen Marie Antoinette of France were friends. She was 11 years older than Marie Antoinette, but they both 
shared a lot in common. They were German, marrying into other places that weren't necessarily very happy about them. They were pen pals, mm-hmm. basically. They shared a lot of the same interests. Marie Antoinette was saying, like, I'm scared about the French Revolution, which is breaking out in 1789, mm-hmm. which is, again, right around when her husband's starting to get really ill. She readied apartments to be ready for them, like, so that the family could get there. But she later found out that they had been executed and she was absolutely beside herself. Um, her, one of the things that said to kind of cement the illness of the king was that two, their two youngest sons, so they had their three youngest children, it's Prince Octavius, Prince Alfred, and Princess Amelia. Mm-hmm. So Prince Alfred gets ill in 1782 and dies and that throws the king for a loop but he loves prince octavius more somehow even though he's like a five-year-old kid whatever and so everyone's like oh at least it wasn't octavius well octavius dies the following year in 1783 and that kind of is what they assume pushes the king over the edge Mm -hmm. um the they settle into this really uncomfortable kind of life where she's doing her own thing after I think 18 gosh what is it 10 he's is when he's like permanently mad so he's kind of back and forth between 1789 and like 1810 but in 1810 the princess Amelia passes away their youngest daughter and she was 27 oh my god she was my age ew oh my god that's horrible she was 27 yeah she was the favorite but because her her two most immediate eldest brothers died she became like the one that everyone like hung on to Mm -hmm. and they loved her he loved her she's like seen as this absolutely beautifully perfect little child and Mm -hmm. she wanted to get married and she fell in love with the honorable Charles Fitzroy, who was an equerry. He was 21 years older than her. Like I said, the king, queen kind of turned a blind eye to it. She wanted to marry him, but because of the Royal Marriages Act, which her father had passed saying like, you can't get married until the age of 25. You can wait until the age of 25 and then you would have to get permission mm-hmm. to marry from the Privy Council. Mm-hmm. and she knew she got very ill and then she knew she was dying. And so she was confined to her bed and basically she would go visit her father who was likewise pretty much confined to her bed, his bed back and Mm -hmm. forth, back and forth. Mm -hmm. And so they stayed together and she's like, I'm leaving everything to Fitzroy, the equerry. And, you know, she makes a mourning ring for the king and puts her own lock of hair in it. And she wants to give it to him herself. And so she does and he freaks out. Because obviously. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then when she dies in 1810, that's like the permanent madness of King George. Mm. And so upon that, she doesn't really... Queen Charlotte isn't really visiting him. I mean, she's suffered an immense amount of loss. Both of her parents died before she even left Germany. Like, you know, she she was effectively an orphan 
and comes here and the one person that she has consistently is her husband. He's not really present anymore and he's not doing very well. So it's kind of seen that she wasn't, it's believed that she didn't really see him after 1812. Um, She, the King became more blind. He had these cataracts. He was pretty deaf. Yeah, it was pretty miserable. Um, One of the things that she loved was her granddaughter, Princess Charlotte of Wales. She was kind of involved with helping to bring her up, but, you know, it's kind of tricky. Um, She helped to be the first, like, lady, like, she, because her daughter-in-law, everyone hated her daughter-in-law, and she didn't like her either. The Prince Regent's like, I hate her. So she continued to kind of be the main hostess, but, you know, it's tricky. And then she started declining, unfortunately. And I think, I mean, you can't, I can't even imagine, you know, how horrible it was all for her. Um, And so she's probably not seeing her husband very much because she didn't feel very safe around him. And it was very distressing. Mm -hmm. And right before she passes, she dictates her will to her husband's secretary. She leaves, like, everything to her husband. While he's insane, though, they should be, like, an heirloom of the House of Hanover. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my kids should get this. My kids should get that. And the Prince Regent, like, fully ignores that later. and like, I want her jewels. They're sparkly. Um, Can can one do that? (laughs) I mean, he becomes the king. Oh. So, unfortunately, yes. Um. So she passes away after being the longest until, um, you know, Philip. She was the longest serving consort until Prince Philip, but she was, she is still the longest serving queen consort. She served for 57 years and 70 days. Wow. And she passes away at the age of 74 on the 17th of November in 1818. And her husband, like, probably didn't even know she died and he passes away like 15 months later, probably not knowing anything. It's kind of a, that's kind of a coincidentally close situation. Yeah. I mean, he was really unwell. He constantly was sick along, you know, side of everything, but it's interesting, but so, yeah. But one of the things I also wanted to talk about was the portraitures of the queen and what that's led to. So there's a very famous portrait of the queen by Alan Ramsey. Mm-hmm that people have kind of taken to be evidence that she is of mixed blood. Okay. It, it's interesting. In 1940, this, so this happens in 1940, a man wrote, and I quote, this is not me saying this. He quote that the queen must have had a Negro strain based on her broad nostrils and heavy lips, uh, which was in that one portrait by Alan Ramsey. There have been many portraits of her. But since then, a independent researcher said, yep, totally true. Because (laughs) in the 12th century, or like middle 13th century, excuse me, a mistress of King Alfonso III who was one of her very distant ancestors, was potentially Moorish. 
This is happening in 1940? About someone who lived in this, you know, late 18th century. That someone in the mid-13th century, a person 17 generations back, had mixed blood. Therefore, she is of mixed blood. I don't know if they understand how that works. (sighs) It's so bizarre. So even if that could have been the case, Mm -hmm. that she was of mixed blood, it would have been so far removed and all of the whiteness would have happened so aggressively that -hmm. there's kind of really no way for that to be the case. Andrew Roberts, who's a current historian, is like, no, this is literally ridiculous. (laughs) And he said, people are meant to discuss it because they don't want to seem out of step with the times. And I get Mm -hmm. that. I think it's important to talk about, but I think it's, also necessary that we understand that she would not have been able to marry the king if she showed open signs of being of mixed blood, which she couldn't have, genetically speaking. But I think what I, again, like about what the Bridgerton story did was that it feels like an alternative universe, in which case this could have potentially been a thing and there could be black people, you know, being in a beautiful position of power and equality that they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and then when Meghan Markle joins the family, they're like, is she not the first black person to be in the Royal family? And it's like, I mean, technically she's not the very first because there are other people who've married in at this point, but like Queen Charlotte is not that person. Right. We have a lot of other paintings of her, And one of the earliest portraits we have of her, if not the earliest, was painted, which we'll post um, potentially as a betrothal portrait. And in it, she actually has a Black servant. You know how we've seen that before. Mm -hmm. So I'm really reticent to kind of give them credit for that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I I don't think we can give them credit for any of that. So, yeah, I mean, the portrait by Alan Ramsey definitely does give, like, a a sense that this person could have potentially been, you know, mixed blood. But that's, it's that one portrait, and it's not at all, um, you know, something that would have happened. And, in fact, in 1807, George III signs the act for the abolition of the slave trade where the transatlantic slave trade was banned in the British empire, which again, you know, pretty importantly was after the war of independence. So good job, America. Um, but, um, yeah, so the fight for the succession did happen. Um, it was basically, but it wasn't like spurred on by the queen. It was the brothers who wanted to see how quickly they could produce an heir. Um, because the prince regent was still married to Caroline, albeit very unhappily, they weren't able to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And their one surviving child passed away in childbirth. Actually, that's how the princess Charlotte passed away in childbirth. Pretty horrifically, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pretty bad. And so eventually what you see in the show is that the Prince Edward, the Duke of Kent, marries Princess Victoria of Saxe-Coburg, and they end up having 
a child, Alexandrina Victoria, and that becomes Queen Victoria. So the way it works, though, is that George IV is the Prince Regent. When his father passes away in 1818, he becomes George IV. When he passes away in 1830, his younger brother, um, William IV, becomes king. And they had no, he and his wife, Princess Adelaide, had no legitimate children. He had an illegitimate child and no legitimate. And so the next brother down is Prince Edward and his wife and him have Queen Victoria. So that's mm-hmm. how we get Queen Victoria. Um, very interestingly. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's Queen Charlotte led such a fascinating life for someone who grew up with absolutely no sense that she would have been important. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That the man and the empire she married into would have never even known she'd existed. Right. You know, and here she is becoming a queen of, you know, she was known for her like intense, intense um, standards of like court protocol. So seeing her in British and still wearing the clothes of an older age, absolutely Mm -hmm. accurate. She would not have Mm -hmm. worn the newer clothes. Um, You know, we see... Uh, she's very intense about protocol and doesn't let it slide for anybody. So, you know, she takes her role and plays it with absolute aplomb. And although, you know, for 36 years of her, you know, 30 something years of her married life, she was cruelly kind of separated from the husband she loved. And, and because of a a mental illness that was unfortunately not able to be treated at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, she still remained a very strong kind of stalwart and was very popular through most of her life. She had periods of unpopularity, but it usually resulted in like her looking at the people who were like banging on her carriage doors and going like, really, I've been doing this for so long. I've served you so well. You're going to do this to me now. And they're like, back up. And they're like, you know, you're right. I'm sorry. So queen. Yeah, I like that they show in the show that she has this like kind of gumption, but I want to emphasize that she she did it without wanting to be involved and more than she had to be. Do you know what I mean? I think she kind of thought it was below her. Um, so yeah, she's just a really interesting person, but it's also, I think an important lesson to talk about how someone's image can be used after their death um, mm-hmm. to pursue certain lines. Um, mm-hmm. And that we always have to be careful about that because I think, it doesn't necessarily do a service to the people that it's supposed to be representing to give her that credit. I that I don't yeah. think she deserves like, yes, mm-hmm. her husband does abolish the transatlantic slave trade in Britain, but it was after a long time and they benefited greatly from it as did most mm-hmm. people in their position. So to give her credit as like a representative of a race that they were keeping subjugated, I think is a little ugh, to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's Queen Charlotte. She's just, and do you know how many things are named after her? Like everything is named after her, like Charlottesville, like so many yeah. different things, like so many, she gave her name and like her sense of taste to like so many things that are named like the Queen's blah or whatever like Mm -hmm. that's all pretty much after queen charlotte so she left her mark she left her mark oh we love that for her we love it we love it we love it so how how different is that from bridgerton (laughs) 
honestly a lot closer than I thought it would be because I know, you know, Queen Charlotte, the series, I never thought that it would honestly take into account pretty much any of the real history. Mm. Just because that's not what they do. Yeah. No, it is not. I mean, Bridgerton, the series, literally not at all. But Queen Charlotte, I, I guess it makes sense since it's more about a historical figure, it would make sense that a little more attention was paid to it but Mm -hmm. i just know that that's not what their what their uh goal is no yeah so i'm surprised that so many details actually kind of check out (laughs) yeah i'm the one thing i'm surprised at is her like pushing them for heirs when she like eventually relents and lets like two of her daughters get married but by that Mm -hmm. point like i said they were too old to have children and most of her daughters passed away without ever getting married and honestly, in the show, it didn't fully make sense that none of the kids wanted to find partners. Like, that didn't really make sense. No, it was weird. And that they were like this like infantilized set of children. And that she was a bad mother, I think. She and her husband were actually loudly criticized for how they raised their children to be more like, they were seen as this like weird middle class family because of how close their family was. Oh, that's beautiful. Like she actually wanted to breastfeed her own children. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's definitely not what the show depicted. No. But it's fascinating because it didn't really make sense in the show either. Because she seemed (laughs) loving. It didn't it didn't really make sense that like, you know, it it kind of felt like, well, then where did she go? Where was she Mm. when they were being raised? It didn't really. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it I, is, yeah. It, I'm, I'm sure like she was. True love was depicted. Her her yeah. kindness was depicted. So it didn't really make sense when they, you know. I, so you're it's right. cool to know I'm that historically that. it was the opposite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she did limit her daughter's chances for like marital happiness. I think that's upsetting, but you know, but and you see reasons, them writing yeah. constantly to complain to their brother like can you do something please like you're the prince can't you go around mom like please classic and i know and it's just really interesting no matter the no matter the time the social (laughs) status i know but yeah so it's it's definitely sad for me um that you know for someone who had such a bountiful family to suffer a succession crisis but yeah yeah and the prince region of course was like a freaking nut but he was a dandy. He was a dandy boy. <laughs> Literally. If nothing but a great title. <laughs> a dandy boy. A dandy um, boy. And it's also because she like fully, they fully spoiled him. Like, you know. Yeah. What are you going to do? He's a prince. He's what the firstborn. She, she had three sons in a row. So impressed. Yeah, that must have been an exciting time. Everyone was very like, oh, thank God, we're good. <laughs> and then she just kept having kids and everyone's like, oh, oh okay. Oh, 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 more. <laughs> but I think, yeah, if you're able to somehow go to Q, you get the most beautiful kind of familial sense when you go to their house and, and Q Palace. And it's just really, it's definitely a palace, but it's really kind of cool to see this is where this family kind of sought refuge in their most difficult times. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Queen Charlotte uh, kids. Queen Charlotte. 
And if you haven't seen the series, <laughs> give it a watch. Then sure. re-listen to this so that some of that makes sense. Yeah. And there's a couple of really good books. There's one by Catherine Curzon that's not very long mm-hmm. that I read that I liked. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I encourage all explorations. But it, it was interesting to see a show that was like, we're going to take someone and not entirely butcher the timeline of her life. Yeah. I mean, they I'm, did a bit. I'm surprised. But it's okay. Yeah. I Compared think to never, what I've suffered through promised. as a lover. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fake it. Through. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't say it's based on someone historical if you're going to just completely ignore it. Like what? Yeah. Like what? You know, art. <laughs> and I love it. I'm an artiste. Ew, I hate that. But I love art. But like, love don't art. say this is based on the person's life. And then just go, oops. No, this is true. Well, I'm happy to know that there were some nuggets in there. And now I'm even happier that I know all of the truthful nuggets. Yay. Because those are even more interesting. (laughs) They are. Always. They really are. They are always more interesting. Anyway, I'm fine. But I love it. We love it. We're going to post so many portraits of her because she had so many portraits taken. It's hilarious. Yes, we are. Um... And one very sad sketch of King George III in the last year of his life where he looks as ill as he was. There's also a really interesting, Lucy Worsley is one of my favorite historians. She has a great um, kind of like tales from the royal wardrobe. And there's a, um, oh gosh, what's it called? It's like a vest of the kings. And you see all these kind of stains and everything from where he was eating. So you can just tell this, it was the kind of wardrobe of a very ill man. honest sketch yeah really really interesting so i yeah i loved learning real stuff about charlotte me too and uh thanks for listening everyone thanks for listening we hope you've enjoyed as well and we will have another lady for you in a month that's right farewell rate review and subscribe (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah do that do that (laughs) hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.